Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Yeah, so today I thought it'd be fun to chat about the Buddha of compassion. Um yeah, really about the the energy of of compassion. I just I like that there's a Buddha of compassion. <laughs> I remember when uh, I first moved to Land of Medicine Buddha, I walked into their their bookstore and they have all these tankas all you know all around all these deities and some you know they had Vajapani and some of them these wrathful deities and I didn't I didn't know much about you know Tibetan Buddhism at the time and. And uh, different colors, you know, Vajra Yogini's red and Medicine Buddha's blue, Natara's and everything. And I remember seeing this forearm chinrezig and and uh, I had no idea what this Buddha meant. Like, I didn't know what it was, but this deity had, you know, its hands at its heart like this and just had... You know, what I like about depictions of deities or Buddhas or something, I always look at the eyes, you know, like the the peaceful demeanor, you know, like I just feel like, you know, in, in Tibet, sometimes they have artists that just do the face. That's it. That's all they do because it's so important. Right. So every other artists draw everything else. And there's an artist that comes in and just does the face, which is just a few lines, just the eyes and everything. But it's so important. And so, yeah, I just remember this deity and just emanating. I don't know what it was, just emanating this goodness. And I, I asked somebody, you know, what's this? <laughs> oh, that's the mood of compassion, you know, that's Chinrezig. Um, and when, you know, sometimes they kind of ask just you to select a certain deity to, to meditate on uh, to have a connection with and that's definitely the one that i gravitated towards was was a buddha of compassion and then of course in my studies um i i started to to learn about how this buddha of compassion manifested in in different areas at different times and its origin and and whatnot um and came upon the depiction of Kuan Yin, you know, which is more that like kind of a Chinese variation. And how many of you like the image of Kuan Yin? Are you familiar with Kuan Yin? Yeah. Um, I love the image of Kuan Yin, you know, because Kuan Yin is the Buddha of compassion. And I'll kind of go into a little bit about how Kuan Yin came to be, how they think Kuan Yin came to be to look the way that she does. But as soon as I saw that image, it all fit for me because I see the Buddha of compassion in as female, like feminine, right? So Chinrezig in, in Tibetan form um, is depicted as male. Now, Avalokiteshvara, which is like the origin of this deity, uh, it's Hindu in, in origin, is very androgynous, but if they had to choose one, it would it would be male, right? But it's very androgynous. And then when when the deity moved to to Tibet, 
it was definitely male, like this, this masculine, you know? And um, yeah, I've always had an issue with that. I always had a little bit of a problem, like, like, cause it just, it seemed like, like compassion and kindness. And it just, it's feminine. It's like that very, it's very nurturing. I say my problem with it, just like energetically, just feel like it, it has a, that vibe for me, you know? Um, yeah, I wonder, you know, how these deities manifest, you know, I don't, I don't know their, their origin, origin, right. But, uh, yeah, thinking, oh, you know, we can have a deity for, for nurturing, loving kindness and, and then it's like male, but so I really like, you know, the Quan, the Quan Yin version. And of course we have, you know, an offshoot of, of Avalokiteshvara, uh, the, the Buddha of compassion. Uh, we have Tara, which is, you know, the story of the Buddha of compassion. Say Chinrezig, Avalokiteshvara. He, you know, as the the male, you know, he um, cleared all the realms of samsara. Was able to clear all the realms of samsara from um, from all suffering. And was resting in this accomplishment. And then all at once, all the six realms of samsara filled back up. And Avalokiteshvara started to cry, right? And from those tears came 21 Taras, right? Because, you know, at that, at that moment, Avalokiteshvara sprung a thousand arms to, to help, you know, all beings. And also the Tara, the manifestation of Tara is really the boots, the boots on the ground, right? Uh, and those emanations are depicted as female. So as, as this, this deity moved and, and shifted from, uh, from Hinduism in, Indian, in India and into, in, into Tibet, and then into China. So China had um, manifestations, you know, already of of you know compassionate Buddhas, uh, but then also too, you know, there was this kind of a mixture that's combined with with Tara, mixing with the idea of Avalokiteshvara. And so if, if uh, Quan Yin is like a, a direct translation of Avalokiteshvara, which means like one who hears, one who hears. So it's like one who hears the sound of um, our cries and kind of comes to, you know, our aid. And so Quan Yin is really like a fusion of, of Tara and, and, uh, and Chinrezig. So she carries the, that embodiment of, of all of that. But what I think what's really important is what these deities, what this deity in particular represents, which is this, the energy of compassion itself, compassion itself, and it's all pervading quality. So it is said that that Chinrezig, Avalokiteshvara, Kuan Yin, 
embodies the Buddha, the compassion of all the Buddhas and will manifest in, in all these different, you know, ways and different forms, depending upon what we need, you know, at the time. So it's a physical representation of the energy of compassion. Like our minds have a really difficult time conceiving of the omniscience and the all-pervading quality of something like compassion, like emptiness. So we can't we can't really get our minds around uh, emptiness. So we have the Dharmakaya, which is like this the, the the, the truth realm. So they have a deity, Vajadara, right? That encompasses this, right? So we have some some kind of link to that, right? So I think this is the important piece: is that it's important to you know connect with this is this is a bridge. You know, the, the Buddha of compassion is a bridge to this is in our own hearts and our own minds and our own beingness. You now we can connect with that. We have a symbol for that, right? So I ended up kind of haphazardly last week. I was speaking of the Brahma Baharas. Uh, I think I was speaking on sympathetic joy. And, and in my kind of reading up, you know, getting ready for that talk, I, I noticed, you know, several examples of the Brahma Baharas and the heart practices blending into emptiness, blending into um, selflessness, right? And I kind of wanted to keep that going kind of um there's examples here of of the buddha of compassion again being that bridge to to emptiness and the the reason is is because we want to use all these tools for for liberation and we could use these tools for a lot of different things we could use it for stress relief we could use it to you know perform better at at work and all of these things. And, and I was talking to a friend somewhat recently and she was going through a, a training, like a meditation style training and, and whatnot. And, and, you know, she was saying that the, the training that she was in was really, was really great. It was wonderful. Lots of, lots of great teachings, but she's like, they don't speak of liberation. Like it's, you know, it's, it's a fairly long program and whatnot. She's like, they never speak of liberation. Like we're using all these tools and talking about these tools and everything. And, and she was saying, maybe they shouldn't. It's not like, you know, there's kind of stain in their, in, in their lane there, but as Dharma practitioners, we want to speak of these things as, you know, can they lead to full awakening? And how could they and how could they uh, assist with this? So there are instances of you know people praying to Kuan Yin, for example, and and that helping in that moment for that thing. But how can we use these deities, these representations of core elements of our being to fully awaken um, ourselves, right? So, so, yeah, I want to read um, a few things and then maybe we can, you know, chat about them. So I've shared this book before. This is a, a classic, John Blofeld, um, Bodhisattva of Compassion. It's just wonderful. Like he journeys all around Asia, and just so into uh, Avalotech Keteshvara. So, yeah, it's a really beautiful book about the journey. 
to you uh, about the journey of, of this deity. So yeah, highly, highly recommended, really fun read. Sorry, wrong place. <laughs> All right. So he's speaking to a, a nun in this instance. Um, and she's, she's talking here. One night, I dreamed of being shipwrecked, of clinging to a spar in a furious, raging sea. Mountainous waves curved about me like writhing, like a, a writhing dragon would like. Wait, start over. Mountainous waves curved about me like writhing dragons until at last I was cast upon a shore of unearthly beauty, overlooking the rocking coast, the rocky coast, a hill of turquoise rose, a hill of turquoise rose from a forest of jade that was watered by foaming cascades of milk white purity. The wings of birds and insects had a jeweled sheen. The spotted deer had coats of white and crimson fur. How could I doubt that I'd come upon the secret paradise, Potala? Odd but joyous, I climbed swiftly towards the crest of the hill. I had been observed for a young girl came running down the slope to greet me. Her charming little feet seemed scarcely to touch the rocks over which she sped. And when she turned and signaled to me to follow her, I had difficulty in keeping up and was urged to notice how torn she was between good manners and an urge to burst out laughing. On reaching the mouth of a great turquoise cavern, she ran in and soon disappeared from view, leaving me to follow as best I could. We had come to this place by skirting a lake of gold flake blue, an arm of which ran into the cave is blue water hidden beneath the masses of pink and white lotuses. Though no direct sunlight penetrated beyond the entrance, the cave was illuminated as though by bright sunshine and delicate fragrance filled the air. In the center was a throne-shaped rock. Though it had neither cushion nor occupant, I knew is for the Bodhisattva's own, and kneeling, bowed my head to the glimmer, to the gleaming silver sand at its foot. As I did so, my name was spoken by a voice as melodious as the tinkling of jade ornaments, the syllables distinct and long drawn out, Chang Li. When my vow was uttered many eons ago, I thought I had made things simple. Why do you strive? Let go. The whole Mahayana canon contains no greater wisdom than the wisdom of letting go. This is also called Donna, giving. There came a sweetly joyous laugh and silence. I knew I was alone in that shining cave. Already the magical colors were fading into powder fine colored sparks that vanished one by one. Darkness followed. And stretching out my hand, I brushed against the curtains hung around my bed. So that was like her dream. And her dream was being told by, you know, Kuan Yin to, to let go. Now, now she continues. Now I have done with the sutras and the pious practices day and night. I recite the Bodhisattva's sacred name, rejoicing in the beauty of its sound. Not for me, it's recitation and multitudes of 108 as though it were a duty. 
Does the runner count his breaths or the poet his words or the stream its ripples? You sentient beings who seek deliverance, why do you not let go? When, when sad, let go of the cause for sadness. When wrathful, let go of the occasion of wrath. When covetous or lustful, let go of the object of desire. From moment to moment, be free of self. Where no self is, there can be no sorrow, no desire, no eye to weep, no eye to lust, no being to die or be reborn. The winds of circumstance blow across emptiness. Whom can they harm? I'll just read that last little bit again. When sad, let go of the cause of sadness. So it says, you sentient beings who seek deliverance, why do you not let go? When sad, let go of the cause of sadness. When wrathful, let go of the occasion of wrath. When covetous or lustful, let go of the objects of desire. From moment to moment, be free of self. Where no self is, there can be no sorrow, no desire, no eye to weep no eye to lust, no being to die or be reborn. The winds of circumstance blow across emptiness. Whom can they harm? Yeah. I, so I, I just love that, you know, from, from the heart and kindness. It's like the kindness, it's like the self-love to let go. You know, like Kuan Yin's coming and saying, Oh, dear one, the most precious, beautiful thing you can do is let go, right? So it's like this, this beautiful example of, of um, wisdom and, and compassion, you know, both meaning. So, so he goes and visits this, um, he's with a friend and he's visiting this John, the, the author, he's with a friend and he's meeting and he's visiting this, this monk and his friend's kind of a skeptic. Um, so his friend's asking this monk these, these questions. And so, um, the friend of mine was once bold enough to tell a well-known master in his opinion, recitation of the sacred name is a practice too mechanical to be spiritually effective. So this is very common. Like, um, so there's whole sects of, you know, Buddhism where they just chant Om Mani Padme Om or, you know, other names of the, of the Buddha of compassion. And, and sometimes this is regulated to like a lower class of practitioner. Sometimes they call them like Omani practitioners where it's not super advanced, you know, you just, you just reciting the name, but of course it's, you know, extremely precious and amazing, amazing practice. Um, mechanical echoed the master immensely surprised. How can this be gazing at my friend as though wondering whether he were perhaps dealing with a lunatic? <laughs> he continued 
cleaving to the sacred name results smoothly and easily in one pointedness of mind, the very state which is sought so arduously by meditators belonging to all the eight schools of Buddhism to say nothing of the Taoists, the Hindus, and others outside of the Dharma. Attaining one pointedness, you will, sooner or later, according to your capacity, see your Buddha or Bodhisattva standing before you, a living being, garments fluttering, breast rising and falling with the breath of life. Or if that is not what you look for, you will enter the non-dual state and discover that here in this world of form, you have attained the great void. Then you will know tangible forms for what they are, bubbles, mirages, dreams. Just as, just as you are not now deceived by those snowy mountains hanging in the sky, knowing them as you surely do for clouds. So you will recognize each object as a no thing, not real, but ever-changing, transient, devoid of own being. Again, I think it's symbolic, like it's very symbolic of using um, compassion as the bridge you know, compassion is selflessness. Why does compassion and kindness work? Well, when we have so much selflessness, the eye dissolves, right? We can do this by non-grasping the, the wisdom wing. We could do this by compassion. So the wisdom wing is, you know, whatever is arising, let it go, right? This is arising, let it go, right? And then when self arises, you let self go, right? When the, when the energy of like, who, who is fear protecting? When you feel fear, who is fear protecting? You try to find the I and you can't and you rest in that. So this is one way we go about it and knowing in, in knowing essence. The other way to go about it is through the kindness and, and compassion, right? When we have kindness and compassion, then there's so much othering and even, even for self, then that, that strong sense of permanent, fixed, staunch self you know, is, is removed. And this is why, like in the Tibetan culture, for example, there's just not the same cultural sense of I, even when they say I. They don't do a lot of practices around the I, but also, too, it's more of a community, right? Like I is really mixed with, with other. Like that great quote from Ramana, which I, you know, how should I treat others? There, there is no other. But like, if we're born with that kind of concept, right? Um, yeah. So I think it's I think it's interesting. I remember when I was compiling my my book of book of poems, um, kind of accidentally, I just started going through the through them all, and I ended up putting in you know life, love, and and wisdom are like the the, the chapters, and you know, I did that from from looking at them seeing that there was some kind of wisdom for life and kind of dualistic kind of happiness. And then love is the bridge which you could really connect to like the heart, the, the, the compassion rules samsara, right? Wisdom rules uh, uh, nirvana, right? So compassion is what we could do right here now in all these instances. And then this leads to leads to wisdom mind arising. So I love, I love these kind of um, 
very very clear and real uh, instances and also symbolic instances of of kindness and compassion moving towards true liberation to see things as they really are true liberation into into emptiness right so i'll give one more example um so this is a wonderful meditation i think we actually did this one time uh this is a practice that that i actually like to do it's it's fantastic um i i've been meaning to record it because uh, it's pretty rare so this is a nun, a, de a devotee of, of Kuan Yin, and she's talking about um, her own, you know, search to really embody um, Kuan Yin. And uh, this is a, a technique, which you'll see, that she found uh, this, this monk was able to, to give to her. At first, you understand, sir, I just recited her name. It wasn't enough. I wanted to see her. So I asked at the temple how it could be done. A monk there taught me a fine method. You sit down on a hilltop or anywhere high enough for you to see nothing but the sky in front of your eyes. Otherwise, a blank wall will do. With your mind, you make everything empty. There's nothing there, you say. And you see it like that, nothing, emptiness. Then you say, ah, oh, but there is something. Look, there's the sea and the moon has risen, full, round, white. And you see it like that. The sea, silver, in the moonlight, with light, white-topped waves. In the blue-black sky above hangs a great moon, bright, but not dazzling, a soft brightness, you might say. You stare at the moon a long, long time, feeling calm and happy. Then the moon gets smaller, but brighter and brighter, till you see it as a pearl or a seed, so bright, you could only bear to look at it. The pearl starts to grow, and before you know it, is Kuan Yin herself, standing up against the sky, all dressed in the gleaming white, and her feet resting on a lotus that floats on the waves. You see her. Once you know how to do it, it is, clear, it is clearly as I see you sitting there with the windows behind you, but clearer because her face is not in shadow. Her robes are shining and there's a halo around her head. Besides the big oval-shaped halo cast by her body, she smiles at you, such a lovely smile. She's so glad to see you that tears of happiness sparkle in her eyes. If you keep your mind calm by just whispering her name and not trying too hard, she will stay a long, long time. When she does go, it's by getting smaller. She doesn't go back to being a pearl, but just gets as so, so small that at last you can't see her. Then you notice that the sky and sea have vanished too. Just spaces left. Lovely, lovely space going on forever. And then that space stays long if you can do without you. Not you and space. You see, just space. No you. 
This space stays long if you could do without you. Not you and space, you see. Just space, no you. Towards the end of this, her eyes had closed. No doubt, she was actually seeing what she described. It was one of the most deeply moving experiences of my life. Seeing her lie back against the chair, eyes still closed. Yeah. So another beautiful example of this bridge of moving in from using the symbol of compassion, kind of giving ourselves over to, to compassion. And in that, in that giving ourselves over, like even, even in a moment of service, there's this, there's a, there's a giving of oneself over to this service, serviceful action. You know, I, I was, um, I did this, I just saw somebody outside, someone recently who needed some help. And when I engaged, I saw myself, I was like, oh, I, I, I was hesitant to engage because I didn't know what was going to, what it's meant if once I engaged. And then I noticed that once I decided to engage, that I've given myself up to like, okay, I'm going to help this person. Um, and I don't know how long this is going to take or what this, you know, so, but I've already, I've already, I'm going to say, can I help you? And then I'm going to help. Right. So, um, and so I kind of, I, I was literally thinking about where, where I needed to go next and everything. I'm like, I don't know how long this is going to take to help this person. And, but in, 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 so in these acts of service, like we give ourselves up, like, we're giving, we're giving ourselves up. And there's in, in the action of giving ourselves up, this is much like giving ourselves up to, to the unknown, right? So there's a, there's a part in our practice, which we've all, you know, probably been there on the precipice of, of really letting go, like giving yourself up to the unknown. And I've said so many times, at least in my experience, I, I could only go as far as love will take me because that's my safety net on the precipice of fully letting go. Like, like she's saying there, if you could do without you, but that's scary, you know, doing without the eye, you know, doing, doing without the eye, having an enlightened eye is no problem, right? That's not a problem, right? But annihilating, being annihilated, right? Having that full awakening of, of full annihilation, like that can be very scary. Right. But what's what's what could hold us and feel safe in those moments is if we've cultivated loving kindness and compassion, because in that emptiness is fullness. Right. So as we kind of deliver into that emptiness, so between the the little I and the everything, there's like this little scary. <laughs> this is scary. Right. I always envision it kind of like those deep sea diving orbs, you know, they go in, they have those, they're, they're really deep and it's, it's totally dark down there and they don't know what's going on, but they, they're protected by the little orb that they're in. And that's how I envision loving kindness and compassion. We're in the cosmic seas, right. Of don't know, but we're safe. So we could explore right? We could explore safely, right? 
So, so yeah, before we go into small groups, let me just see if I have some other thing here. I think it is interesting, you know, the Omani Pemiom, Omani Pemiom, which is, you know, the, the chant of Buddha of compassion. Um, held a jewel in the lotus. So that's a translation, held a jewel in the lotus. So this is pointing to this. We are the jewel in the in the lotus, right? The, the lotus is, of course, symbolized by the, the mud and, and whatnot. The, the, the jewel is Buddha nature, you know, held a jewel like in, in, in the lotus, right? So we are the jewel, like the true self, you know, is is the jewel. Um. Oh, I like this. This is just somewhere in my reading. I came upon this, this great line. The master remarked the Dharmakaya, you know, the, the Kaya of, of, of emptiness, infinite potentiality has no substance compassion is its substance because we we hear about this a lot the, the you know emptiness has one dynamic quality which is just that dynamic aspect of kindness and compassion like lying and weight it's we don't even need to cultivate it like they say once enlightened mind is reached lying and weight is just kindness and compassion is there dynamically right so i really like that line the master remarked the dharmakaya has no substance compassion is its substance right it's really nice i just i just i don't know why i typed it out <laughs> i'm gonna read it so i don't know if it's gonna make sense in su tung po's poem the sound of the brook is the broad long tongue true word of the buddha the sight of the hill the pristine dharmakaya, the dharma body of Kuan Yin pervades all natures and embraces all things. As one moon imprints a thousand streams, and all the thousand streams reflect the one moon. One spring nurtures a myriad of flowers, and all the myriad flowers are endowed with the wonder of spring. The reflections denoting the host of species arise and vanish but the moon denoting self-nature is one. So yeah, like this, that the Dharma body of Kuan Yin, this Buddha of compassion pervades all natures and embraces all things. So it's just talking about like the omniscience of, of loving kindness and compassion, right? Yeah, so I thought we'd go into, into small groups and um maybe just share each other's wisdom on this energy of compassion uh, and how this how this has um, assisted in in your path um along the way uh one thing i like to think of is things that in, engage us in in the practice of of compassion if there's any practices or or triggers or anything that really allow the heart to open um and then also you could you know chat about if this is i'm always interested into the quality of mind like i always start out with loving kindness no matter what i don't care what meditation i'm doing i always start out with loving kindness because loving kindness will bring my mind up if it's dull right i'll be more energized with loving kindness and then if i'm more agitated it'll it'll bring my mind down it'll calm 
my mind down, right? So the the quality of mind is always better once once I do loving kindness. And you know, even seeing in your own experience, if you want to talk about your own experience with the quality of heart mind, you know, doing the practice. And it's how does it feel like when we do compassionate service, uh, service on the external uh or in in practice. Yeah. All right. So um oh cool. Someone's chatting about the book, but they got it. Um all right. So yeah, if you're in person here, go ahead and uh torn towards each other, you know, groups of three-ish. And um give me one moment, folks, online and I'll put you into Zoom groups. Yes. All right. Welcome back, everybody. I totally lost track of time, but it's 11.25. Still have five minutes. Um, yeah. So it's nice to talk about compassion. Um, yeah. Anyone want to share what came up for them? Hey there. Uh, I, I just spoke about what we spoke about the other day, about how uh, I was approaching a, an opposing uh, attorney and uh, – really decided to uh, do compassion as opposed to to anger and um i called him and unfortunately i got a, i got a, i got switched through to their voicemail system this guy's playing hard to get and uh, which doesn't surprise me at all but i'm just not gonna let it upset me i'm gonna i'm gonna take the high road and and try and befriend this guy and 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 uh you know see what i can do to help solve everybody's problem including his um which i think is the the way to go and i think it'll work so um much better than than getting adversarial from from jump so awesome yep. thank you so much yeah great job it's hard to do thanks uh yeah thanks so much for your talk today um, sure in the beginning of my practice i found any kind of imagery statues anything like that that was what's pretty hard but like i sit on the cushion that's yeah that's the thing i do um but i had trouble with self-compassion it seemed much more natural to direct compassion towards others but it didn't feel the same felt disingenuous coming back towards myself and so maybe in the last just couple of years uh i began uh visualizations of Guan Yin, and i can totally have her come and give compassion to me. And then it feels just and genuine. Um, and so, especially when I was preparing for labor and delivery of my kids and I needed some like big tools to cope with uh, pain and stress, uh, I, that's when I began looking into trying and doing that. And so now I use it all the time and she just floats down. And stuff. Oh, and I lived I lived in China for a year, so I saw her all the time for that yeah. year, and I think that's part of how I got better, more comfortable, and was able to sort of access her. Yeah, visualization. So she, she rubs my temples. Through <laughs> compassion, sometimes I even think about the. She's sometimes depicted riding on this water dragon. Yeah, and I think about that as like. That dragon sometimes, sometimes I have fatigue in my self-compassion. Mm. I want to give up and just feel bad for myself. Instead, mm. think about the dragon's strength as like the that's the perseverance. He's the that face of intensity, that's the perseverance that I need to keep sticking with, you know, 
compassion and not getting hit. Wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I got my own wallet. Oh, really? Oh, how awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, hopefully you guys caught that um, on, on Zoom, but I think that's wonderful. Yeah, it's a, that's, a great ex that's a great example of how we could use a deity like this for that self-compassion. It's a wonderful, wonderful example. Yeah. All right, well, I want to respect everybody's time. We have about a minute left. So let's just come um, into our posture one last time and allow the eyes to close. And speaking of, of compassion, just wishing this for others. You know, as we're sitting here in the small groups, you know, we just acknowledge that we're four people and we happen to be male, but four guys is talking about compassion on a Sunday. And then we're sitting here as a group, some online, some in person, and we're talking about love and kindness and compassion and just thinking of all around the world, what if everyone, you know, 8 billion people just kind of hung out and spoke about kindness and compassion, how wonderful and beautiful that would be as they started their new week, their day, the ripple effect of that. So just energetically sharing this with all beings, all earthly beings, sharing this energy, this wish for others, for self to be happy, to be joyful. May all beings everywhere without exception, may they all be happy. May they be truly, truly happy and free from suffering. Om Mani Pemiyom. Thank you all very, very much. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.